0: Welcome back to the AWB COVID-19 Employer Resources Webinar Series presented by Primera Blue Cross. Today, AWB Vice President of Communication, Jason Hagee is in his wheelhouse talking about crisis communication with a handful of experts. He's joined by Michelle Cole, Director of Content and Research and a shareholder at Gallatin Public Affairs, Stephen Daniels Brown, President of Daniels Brown Communications, Taylor Bickford, Senior Vice President of Communications Strategy at Strategies360, and Michelle Hagee, President and CEO of DH.
1: Good morning and welcome to the webinar. I'm Jason Hagee, Vice President of Communications at AWB. I'm so glad you're able to join us this morning as we have another great lineup of speakers for you today. I wanna begin by saying thank you to our presenting sponsor, Primera Blue Cross. We can offer this webinar to all Washington employers thanks to Primera's generous presenting sponsorship. Without members like you and our incredible sponsors, AWB could not host this great content. Today, we have a well-rounded group of subject matter experts on the topic of crisis communications. They will be highlighting how to communicate effectively through COVID-19 and beyond with insights in using multiple tactical resources, the key principles of communications, and best practices coming out of a crisis. They will provide you with the tools that you need. Joining us this morning, we have Michelle Cole, director of content and research and shareholder Alton Public Affairs, Stephen Daniels-Brown, President Daniels-Brown Communications, Taylor Bickford, Senior Vice President, Communications Strategy at Strategies 360, and Michelle Hagey, President and CEO of DH. We already received a number of questions from you when you registered for today's call, but more questions are always welcome. If you have a question during the webinar today, look for the question box in the lower right-hand corner of the GoTo Control panel on your device type your question in there and indicate which speaker it is for. If you missed part of today's webinar or want to share it with someone else, we will stream a recording of the AWB, on the AWB Facebook page tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. So be sure to like the Association of Washington Business on Facebook to catch this re-airing. Our first speaker today is Michelle Cole with Gallatin Public Affairs. Michelle has a master's degree in journalism and was a newspaper reporter and editor in Idaho and Oregon nearly 25 years. Her role at Gallatin Public Affairs includes writing content for print, websites, and other media. And with that, I'd like to turn it over to Michelle Cole with Gallatin Public Affairs. Michelle, the floor is yours. Good morning, everyone.
2: Uh, happy uh, Monday morning. Uh, I have a couple of slides to share and I, I think that it's always best to start when you're talking about crisis communications uh, to recognize when you're in a crisis and uh, what type of crisis you're in. And so my first slide kind of breaks down uh, the three buckets. There are crisis of reputation and your brand, what I call a brand crisis. Uh, when the United Airlines uh, called police to bring a, a, a passenger kicking and bloodied off the plane was definitely a brand crisis for that airline. Um, I would put uh, some of the me too issues businesses have faced in the last couple years into a brand or reputation crisis bucket there are also uh health and safety and and for a while uh the the big crisis and and the one that people my clients were preparing for uh fell into the categories of maybe a, a shooting or uh an earthquake or storm event um but now i would uh post covid we definitely have covid as as Top of mind health and safety crisis, and finally there's a crisis uh, that in- hampers your ability to focus, uh, to function, and that is uh, perhaps it used to be in the old days a data breach or or something along those lines, and uh, today uh, COVID would also fit into that category. Next slide, please. So I start every morning uh, reading an email that comes from a, a, a group that's called Morning Consult, and they do regular survey research of American consumers on a variety of issues. And this slide is about a year and a half old, so it's pre-COVID, uh, but I like it because it illustrates that, that people uh, judge crises in a different way. Um, they're not all alike. Uh, while um, people are far more forgiving of uh, a business or an organization that that, uh, suffers an earthquake or some kind of crisis way out of their control, they uh, do not forgive as easily some of the brand and reputational crisis. So any kind of lying to the public or to your shareholders trying to cover up uh, a Me Too scandal uh is seen among the worst kind of crises uh, and judged harshly by the public next slide please this is a new slide from morning consult it's about four or three weeks old and it basically they polled uh, consumers kind of how do you judge businesses during this covid crisis what 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 do you care about and and what american consumers uh answered was They care about companies that are taking care of their workers, uh, that are seen to be uh, caring about their employees taking the right steps. And uh, the second thing that they really cared about is a social responsibility. And it's a good thing to keep in mind, uh, caring about your community as we think about reopening and restarting that, that, that our public are really watching how we handle these steps. Next slide, please. So I spend time uh, both as when I was a journalist, but now as a consultant, helping clients uh, and and being in the midst of crisis situations. And I wanted to just briefly, I'm not gonna touch on all of this list, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the most common mistakes that people make. The first thing is when crises are scary, and when you're scared, the first thing that, that our first instinct is to be quiet, hunker down, don't talk. Um, And and in a crisis, if if you've planned correctly for that crisis and you've got a team in place, the right team in place, that's the worst thing you can do. Uh, Being silent uh, does not get information to your audiences and it scares people more. Um, The second mistake that people often make is to, um, appear indifferent to the victims. Uh, they talk a lot about a company will talk a lot about their experience of the crisis or how sorry they are that this happened to them. Uh, but one of the first things you need to do when you're facing a crisis is ask yourself and recognize who are the victims here and really uh, validate their their feelings. I've talked a little bit about uh, lies and how you can compound your situation by putting, Uh, what people perceive to be inaccurate information out there. So the best thing to do is to be very truthful uh, about what you know and what you don't know. Next slide, please. Some lessons uh, that I've particularly seen and coach clients on during COVID-19. People expect to hear from their employer, from the businesses they're doing business with, from their political uh, elected officials. So regular communication is super important in, in any crisis, and while we're all uh, isolated in our homes, uh, it's, it's even more important now. I mentioned uh, victims and, and acknowledging who they are and what they're feeling beyond your own feelings, and uh, that's super important now. I uh, often see uh, communications that go out maybe to employees to talk about uh, the difficult decision that maybe the employer's making at this time. And really you need to start by talking about the difficulties that your employees are facing at this time. And we did talk about honesty and and people are very forgiving now, and the media in, indeed included, uh, to be honest about what you know and what you don't know. Um, I would also recommend, there's a at the early days of this crisis, a lot of communications from a lot of people, our email inboxes email were packed with uh, everybody saying we're in this together and, and, you know, all the things that are now cliche for us. Be very specific. If you're going to communicate, think about who your audience is and what they need to know. If you're a business and you're communicating with your customers or your employees, you need to be very clear about when you're going to restart or, or what precautions you're going to take. You don't need to be general about this unprecedented crisis. We all we all know that. And finally, I've seen some really good examples, and I know some of my other panelists will talk about this, um, just showing up and being human, whether it's in a video communication or in a Zoom uh, or webinar communication, it's very important to show your face and show, show that you're a human being as well. And at that, I'm happy to take any questions. Um, or uh pitch it to the next panelist
1: thank you michelle uh some really good content there Uh, before we move on to the next speaker we do have a few questions for you Um, uh, this one is really uh, an internal communications question what do you think employees need and want to hear most right now uh, amidst a crisis and also as we start to come out of it so
2: my experience is employees really want to know what you know and what you don't know Um, am I gonna have a job and if I'm not just be honest with me about what the plan is Um, if you've applied for some government help uh, definitely share share that with employees Um, maybe some time uh, sequences now we we don't think we will open before June 1 but we're shooting for June July 1 as much information that you can give them to um, make them feel a little more empowered with information, even if it's information that's not that great to hear.
1: Okay. Uh, Next question. And you've already touched on this a little bit. How do we we communicate effectively to employees about uh, how serious COVID-19 is uh, and how serious it is to uh, our business, perhaps, without scaring or stressing people out more than they already
3: are?
2: I would say regular and a calm cadence. Uh, I think that sometimes we feel like, well, we already said that in the last email or the last video uh, meeting that we had with our employees. And I think at this point in time that some of us are willing to hear or ready to listen to things on our own timetable. So I think a regular, calm cadence and then offering them a channel back if they have questions or concerns that they're able to share it. Uh, with somebody who's who's human and real, meaning you know, send me an e- If I'm a CEO, send me an email, and I'll make sure you have an answer. Great,
1: thank you, Michelle. We have time for one more question before our next speaker. Um, do you have any tips on how a nonprofit can move from shorter-term transactional messaging to longer-term relationship building?
2: That's a really interesting question. I work with a couple of new nonprofits. I think making sure that you aren't surprising people you care about uh, with your uh, messages, particularly at this time. So while we're very hyper-focused on our our consumers and our employees, we might need to shape some communications, particularly around, especially if you're a nonprofit, those stakeholders, those people who we want to be on our side, and make sure they're not surprised. So maybe it's a personal phone call, an outreach. Um, we're about to um, announce temporary layoffs or furloughs let me tell you why let me tell you how that fits in our larger plan
1: thank you Michelle Uh, really good content we'll come back to some more questions at the end Um, moving on to our next speaker today uh, Stephen Daniels Brown president and CEO of Daniels Brown communications uh, an advertising and PR agency located here in Olympia Stephen is a public relations professional with broad experience in public policy advocacy, creative services management, media relations, copywriting and editing, commercial photography, and governing board service for private sector professional organizations. Stephen is also a past board member of AWB and currently serves as chairman of AWB's Health Choice Board of Trustees uh, and has worked closely with AWB on a number of initiatives over the years. Um, Stephen, take it away.
0: Thanks, Jason. Uh, hello, everyone. Thanks, to, especially to AWB, for the leadership role that uh, you've taken over the past few months, it's, especially on the topic that we're addressing today, communications. You've just done an excellent job. Appreciate you. Um, it's been four years, if you hadn't noticed, since Mount St. Helens blew, and I was thinking of um, my mother's reaction the morning that the, the St. Helens uh, blew, we lived in Moses Lake. And she told all of her kids to run out, all of us to run out in the front yard and put a piece of paper down, newspaper down on the front um, on the grass so that we could collect some ash. Well, uh, 12, 12 hours later, we had four inches of ash. And uh, my mom altered her crisis management plan and gave us all shovels. We spent the next two weeks shoveling that ash out of the yard and everywhere else in Moses Lake. But I I think that's a little bit indicative of what we've uh, just faced, all of us, and continue to face in the COVID experience. So one of the things as we talked as panelists together we thought might be useful to you as AWB members is just uh, seeing a little bit of the structure behind crisis communications management proactively. So I'm going to share just a a few of the kind of academic principles behind a crisis plan and how you can manage, uh, continue to manage that and adapt it to each of your um, different models. So here uh, you see some of the components of a crisis plan. Uh, The first is to organize your crisis team. And you've all probably done this in an ad hoc way over the past few weeks. It it may comprise of your senior executive, your CEO, or owner. You should always have somebody that is in charge of your PR, whether it's internal or external involved in those meetings so they have all of the backstory on the decisions that you're making it's also good to consider having an hr director in the room to to help guide uh, deliberations re- involving employees so that you make good and wise decisions involving employees uh, legal counsel is also helpful to avoid any uh, brushes i guess with with choices that might get you in trouble with with regulation and then there might be other critical team members, perhaps production team or others who are making decisions that will impact how you're viewed out in the community. Um, and in this team, you should always designate a spokesperson who is going to represent the company. And that can change over time, but it's good to have that person designated ahead of time so that they can be prepared to respond quickly in a crisis. Then the second component of that team or of that plan is uh, getting together with this this team and deciding who your key audiences are and many of you again have done this on an ad hoc basis over the last uh, month or so but uh, certainly your customers your clients are one of your top tier audiences that you're going to be concerned about in a crisis your employees and uh, as well as vendors and one that we often don't think about but should our community and government leaders these uh, These individuals will be making decisions in your behalf uh, either for or against you in the coming months, and you should be communicating regularly with them. I believe Taylor might uh, address a little bit of that in his presentation, but um, these uh, particularly local elected officials and state elected officials be really important to keep up to date on how you're doing because the decisions they make will directly impact you in the coming months. Then the next thing you do is you determine which communication channels are best suited to reach out to each of those audiences. And uh, those are, are not new to you, but your website, social media, email, uh, news media, and signage and direct mail are just a few. There are a lot of other advertising mechanisms that can be used to reach out, but those are primarily some of the channels that you'll want to tap as you are reaching out to your key audiences. And then in your plan, uh, you you can sit down, when you're looking ahead, you can sit down and look at some of your organization's potential vulnerabilities. Now, we all know what our vulnerabilities are right now, and that's the COVID uh, virus and how that's impacting our organization. In a communications plan, you would sit down and put on I don't know if you remember Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore, but put on your Eeyore hat. Think of all the bad things that can happen to you in your organization, and then anticipate those and decide how you would respond in each one of those situations. We uh, we recently had uh, about a year ago had done a plan for one of our clients, and one of those uh, one of those contingencies that they were concerned about was uh, a flu outbreak. And so as this unfolded, they were able to call back to their plan and quickly come up with responses that they had prepared before this happened. Of course, they had to adjust it like my mom did when she handed all of us his shovels when the ash was raining down. Uh, Then the last thing you do is uh, you you create these responses, and um, they're somewhat canned. Uh, We call them pre-draft sometimes, but those can be called upon and modified according to the crisis that is in front of you and some of the Particular details. Let's go to the next slide, then, and I'm going to touch on a few things that Michelle touched on a little bit as well. But uh, these are I call these the four season communication during a crisis. Uh, this is not these are not new concepts, but we we draw on these quite often as PR practitioners. One is candor. You want to acknowledge the crisis very candidly. You do not want to try to speculate on things that you do not know. And it's OK, when you're dealing with news media in particular, they will appreciate you indicating uh, things that you just don't know yet because of the fast-moving nature of the crisis. You can tell them what you do know, but let's not speculate. Then the next item is clarity. Should avoid jargon. Uh, Don't use acronyms over and over again in your communication out. Get right to the point with the who, what, when, and where. Finally, uh, the last two are compassion, and Michelle, again, talked a bit about that. But you need to find the human connection with your audiences, both your your current clients and those who may become clients or customers. Let them see your human side. Uh, Tell them the struggles that you're going through. Help them to understand what you're wrestling with in the crisis. It's okay to do that. Um, Then you should also uh, align your expressed concern with your values and your actions. And uh, then, lastly, confidence. You should reassure uh, your audiences that you will keep them and their interests safe by clearly identifying your action plan. Now, um, I think my time is, is close to running out here, but I want to um, just just tell you a couple things. I'm going to say just. I'll stay on this slide. But increasingly, uh, audiences, both our clients and new customers, are looking to Uh, Businesses to to do the right thing, to be socially conscious. And uh, after this uh, webinar is over, we'll share some slides out to you that show a little bit about the impact that social uh, consciousness and social messaging have. It's in in the name of humility, we often don't want to talk about the things that we're doing positive in our community, because we don't want to be perceived as bragging. But it's become a mandatory both in consumer buying decisions, as well as in retaining employees and employees in, to encourage and expect uh, employers to be socially conscious. And they will make decisions even even at the, uh, the detriment, perhaps even of their own salary or benefits to know that they're working for a good cause. So it's important for all of us to, to tell our story frequently and uh, be genuinely and authentically involved in our communities. And when we do that, in crises, those that depend on us will be a lot more forgiving when we make mistakes because of the, the good brand reputation that we have. So I think that covers uh, the, the basics of a crisis plan and uh, happy to entertain any questions, yeah. Uh,
1: thank you, Stephen. Uh, yeah, excellent presentation and <clears throat> uh, reference back to Mount St. Helens 40 years ago today, hard to believe. Um, I think we have time for one question. Um, This person says, I'm facing a challenge. I want to inform my employees about what's going on, uh, tentative plans to reopen, et cetera, uh, but I'm not quite ready for that same information to be out in the public. So how do you balance that need to uh, start to communicate with your employees about where you're thinking about going, but maybe you're not ready to have that public yet?
0: Uh, you know, I was reading a case study not too long ago about a, a company that was about to to do a merger with another company, and uh, they they chose to do two different approaches. One of the merging companies decided to be less transparent, less um, less willing to share some of the details of the transaction as it went along. The other shared carefully their their plans and details they met often with their employees they explained the steps that were being taken to make that decision and uh, as they did that the goodwill that developed with those employees was tremendous they were willing to work longer hours they were willing to do a lot more things for the company than the other one that was not as transparent so i think with uh with some prudence you should always be err on the favor of transparency that somebody's going to always tell your story, so you should you should tell it first. And I think the more you get good information out to your employees, the, the better and more likely they will be to tell a complimentary story of what you're doing.
3: Okay. Thank you, Stephen. And we're going to take one more
1: question here before we move to our next speaker. Um, so the question is, what do you see as... Um, Different and specific key communications that should be made to upper management supervisors and employees amidst a crisis, so how are how are the communications different and specific for those different audiences the upper management supervisors and employees
0: uh, well the decision makers are probably going to be privy to most of it they are they're going to be communicating downward typically. So if you wanna, of course, be fully transparent and open with them and give them all the facts that you can so that they can properly communicate downward in an organization. Uh, I think I already kind of addressed the employee side of that. Um, in all of this, you continue to share the brand ethics, your brand um, values. And everything that you do and reaffirm reaffirm those in the minds of your organization so that as they talked about it out in public they're they're broadcasting a similar message don't know if that fully answered the question but um hopefully i got part of it
3: yeah
1: thank you Stephen. Um really good content here um and just a reminder that there is so much right now that we don't know and don't have answers to and We need to be transparent about that with people. Um, We need to put on our EOR hats and uh, hopefully uh, take them off from time to time, too. Um, So thank you, Stephen, very much. Appreciate the the comments this morning. Uh, Up next, we have Taylor Bickford, uh, Senior Vice President of Communications Strategy at Strategies 360. Uh, Taylor oversees the firm's communications practices with experts spread across 12 Western states, Washington, D.C., and Vancouver, British Columbia. He advises clients on how to navigate at the intersection of communications, business, and public policy, and leads S360's crisis communications practice. Uh, Taylor joined S360 in 2012 from a career in politics and government and is a graduate of West Virginia University with a BA in political science. He is currently pursuing an MA in emergency and crisis management from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, Taylor, welcome to the webinar. And or is
3: yours. Thank you very much. So, um, I think uh, Michelle and Steven have done a really great job so far of laying out some big picture principles um, of how to approach a crisis, how to approach a crisis communications plan. I'm gonna talk a little bit more tactically and look at um, how you can build a multidisciplinary crisis communications approach that leverages multiple tactics that are all working together. You can go to the next slide. Um, I'm going to skip over this uh, since we shared that in the intro, so we can go to the next slide. Um, so, I just want to talk really briefly about how crisis communications has changed over the years. Um, many of these trends and changes were underway well before the COVID pandemic. Some of them have been accentuated and highlighted um, by the COVID pandemic. Um, historically, when we thought about crisis communications, we've thought about this classic scenario where you have a crisis that's very much uh, been generated by the news media um and your your dealing with that crisis is primarily a function of dealing with reporters managing the the conversation uh amongst journalists and in the news media and while that's still a critically important um component to any crisis um uh management um it's become less important over time because of how fragmented um the communications landscape um has become You can go to the next slide so i'm just uh here really briefly going to go over just a few big picture um, impacts from the COVID um, pandemic. The first is that we have a extraordinarily crowded media landscape. Um, The pandemic news is completely dominating media attention. And one really unique thing about this crisis is that everybody's in crisis, Um, meaning every organization in the country is dealing with some unique crisis organization which means everybody wants to talk about it. There's more competition for airspace. Um, Most organizations have figured out that uh, if you're gonna pitch a story right now, it needs to have a a pandemic hook to it. Um, But again, everybody is doing that. Um, The space for op-eds and the ability to submit opinion pieces has been significantly crowded. So it's just a really uh, crowded environment. in terms of uh media consumption um the uh we've seen some shifts here as well so tv viewership is up because people are trapped at home but again there's limited real estate here because there's only so many news programs um, and everybody's competing for that same space um we've seen online traffic pick up significantly um, and with that there's been a big increase in social media use web uh, web search um streaming and connected tv um and because of this If you're going to be communicating during this crisis um, you have to approach it from a multidisciplinary angle meaning you can't rely completely on getting your message out through the news media Um, you have to think about other tactics and and how to put a more comprehensive program together Um, you need to recognize the importance of online and digital um, because people are stuck at home and again traffic is up significantly on those platforms and then um, both Michelle and Steven talked about the importance of audience um, more in the context of, of the message that you bring to them um, it's also really important to be thinking about how to communicate with your audiences um, every audience is a little bit different and has different needs in terms of how you how you reach them next slide um, so when we're thinking about what does a multidisciplinary approach look like um, what we're talking about is an approach that utilizes um all of the communications tactics that you might already be familiar with so the media and communications piece of it is kind of the classic um example um, that I, th- I think folks are likely more familiar with um but there's often a need to communicate with key audience groups which re- requires some level of, of marketing and advertising or digital and social media outreach um you may, you may need to pr- produce documents or uh, materials or other things that require some level of um, of design um, and creative attention. Um, this has been talked about a little bit already, um, which is the need for uh, communicating with regulators and government officials, um, particularly for businesses that are heavily regulated um, or under the microscope. Um, you know the general public is important, but for some businesses the the political community is even more important. Um, some organizations will commit commission polls um, to understand, Uh, this is happening right now during the pandemic, to understand how is COVID impacting um, our customers, our constituents, uh, how do we need to make shifts as an organization to meet those needs. Um, And there's multiple other examples as well, but those are some classic ways these these additional services are used. You can go to the next slide. So what I'm gonna do here is just walk you through um, a a real life case study just to give you an idea of what a multifaceted approach might look like in real time. Um, so really briefly, um, this is an example that comes from uh, Bristol Bay Native Corporation, which is an Alaska native corporation um, that's based in Alaska, but has significant business interests in Seattle um, and across the country. Um, as an Alaska native corporation, they have a social re- responsibility to their shareholders and their communities. And um, when the pandemic broke out, they started to get really concerned about um, the impact to their business, but also the impact to their communities, uh, concerns that were going to come from shareholders and members of their villages uh rural alaska and the bristol bay region in particular had a really um, difficult experience with the spanish flu pandemic um and so some of those uh wounds are still very real and and uh there are concerns about the potential for the disease to spread through villages with elder populations and other vulnerable communities Um, And then other concerns uh, like the impact on the fishing industry, which is really important to the region, um, and again, spread throughout their villages. So because of all this, um, the organization committed to playing a leadership role in the region to provide education resources um, to their shareholders and to their communities. Next slide. Um, So the first thing that we needed to do was to uh, set up a website, which became uh, sort of the core of this effort to provide resources, information to their communities. Um, it's a really straight, straightforward and simple website. Um, this is just a screenshot of the homepage, um, but there's multiple modules that are built into the website that provide downloadable fact sheets, information, um, resources, um, and, and other things that are helpful um, to their audiences. You can go to the next slide. Um, this is just a screenshot of what one of those resource pages looks like so you can see you can you can go to the page and download um, various fact sheets and information you can go to the next slide um so it's great to have a website um but you need to make sure that your audiences that you need to get this information to are aware of the website and are able uh, to find it and so um one of the things uh, we've done is launched a series of uh, banner ads that are running on um, websites across the internet um, that are specifically targeted to residents of the Bristol Bay region. So, if you're in Bristol Bay, um, you'd be eligible to receive these ads. If you're somewhere else, uh, you would not be. Um, if you click on these ads, you're then taken directly um, um, to the website that we showed in the previous slide. So, this is one version of what, of what the banners look like. If you go to the next slide, um, this is a slightly different version and, again, just um, highlights the need to have um, a creative element um, to some of your outreach in these cases to make sure Um, your your communications are standing out um, and are relevant to your audiences. You can go to the next slide. Um, Again, social media use is up significantly, and so um, we're running uh, ads on Facebook and on Instagram to make sure um, that these messages are getting out to audiences on those platforms, um, for younger shareholders, um, for specific demographic groups um, within these audiences. Some of those groups are a lot more likely to be on social media than they are to be watching the evening news, for example. And so, making sure we have comprehensive coverage um, across these platforms is really important. And this is what it would have looked like on Instagram and Facebook. You can go to the next slide. Um, Another thing that's up significantly right now is search engine traffic. Um, People are curious to learn more about uh, just the basics of coronavirus symptoms, where to find help, and all sorts of related. Um, search terms. And so these are people that are already seeking out the information. You can place ads on these platforms to make sure that for someone searching for coronavirus within your geographic territory, um, that that this website um, that we put together is sort of at the top of the search results um, so that people are able to access it as easily as possible. You can go to the next slide. And then finally, um, this is just an example of a more, I guess, traditional um, tactic, which is running PSA um, ads on local radio stations. And so these are running on local radio stations in in Bristol Bay and are, again, promoting the website and encouraging people to go to the website. And so you've got uh, communications going out through social media, through banner ads on websites, through search engine platforms, on local radio stations. And then this is all working in um, conjunction with. You know, outreach to the local media outlets um, and those more traditional uh, crisis communications approaches that you might be familiar with. You can go to the next slide. And so um, just a couple of things to think about um, in conclusion. So again, to reiterate, every organization in the country is experiencing a crisis right now. For those of you that are struggling with decisions that are having a hard time getting through this um, this pandemic, um, you're not alone um, and these are these are struggles that again every organization in the country is going through through the challenge is that um, academic research has shown that um, most organizations are actually not prepared um, to deal with crises before they happen um, and so um, you know taking advantage of the resources that michelle and Stephen provided to refine your plans to make sure that you're prepared is really important so that you're not having to reinvent the wheel In the midst of a crisis but you have processes in place and and part of that um which again has already been alluded to is thinking about what are the communications channels you already have access to um and where are you really strong where where might you have weaknesses um there are some organizations that have great relationships with local reporters um and are are really good at getting um their stories and messages out through the news media but maybe have not developed their social media platforms or don't have a very good website or don't have very much experience with doing targeted digital advertising, for example. And so thinking about where are we strong? What are the what are the um, things that we can rely on in a time of crisis? Where do we have platforms that maybe need to be improved? And then thinking about how you wanna communicate with your audiences in a time of crisis, are there additional platforms that you may need, may need to be considering? If you're already on Facebook, do you maybe need to go to a new platform, um, those kinds of things.
4: Um, I can see that I'm
3: uh, running up on my time limit here. Um, So I'll stop there, but one final point I would make is that this all speaks to the need to be really creative during this time You can't just rely on traditional approaches. You can't rely on maybe just one tactic You really need to be thinking about how to tie in multiple tactics that can all be working together uh, To achieve the same goal Uh, Excellent,
1: thank you Taylor Uh, really good uh, content there and just uh, a good reminder that Uh, We are all experiencing the same pandemic, but coming at it from uh, different situations and and starting points. So thank you for that. I think we're gonna have time for one question before we move on. So, uh, and this relates to um, communicating a return to work strategy. Uh, I'll note that's something that AWB's Rebound and Recovery Task Force is working on that. So the the question is, um, what's the best way, or how can you speak to uh, uh, communicating a return to work strategy Not only to employees but also to customers in the clearest way possible Um, is there one medium that works best or which multiple avenues work best for this communication kind of uh, creating some confidence uh among customers that that they will be safe to return to your business
3: it's a great question um and it's the answer is going to be different for every organization it really depends on what your audiences look like um if you just as an example um have a much uh, let's say this is a consumer facing business and you have a much older customer base. Um, in a case like that, you need to be thinking about more traditional outlets, um, trying to get um, news coverage, uh, You know, maybe placing advertising in the newspaper, um, thinking about maybe direct mail as an option um, to reach some of your old, older audience members. If you have a much younger customer base, Um, you're going to need to lean more heavily on uh, digital and social media um, and and meet your audiences where they already are. So the answer is different for every organization. And what I'd encourage people to do is sit down and just think strategically about who are our audiences? What do these audiences look like? What do we know um, about their communications preferences, either based on surveys you may have done yourself or just on basic assumptions you can make based on the demographics of your audiences? and then put together strategies that that match the needs of those audiences. And um, be willing to challenge assumptions. Don't assume that you have to go with the one thing that your organization has always done or that seems very comfortable. Really base it on who is your audience, what do they need, what are their preferences, and and what are the channels that are going to um, access them the most efficiently and the most effectively. All right, well, thank you again, Taylor.
1: Uh, A lot of really good content uh, this morning Um, appreciate that before we move on to our next speaker we're gonna take a a break here and do an interactive live poll uh, to gather some information from all of you uh, on the topic of crisis communication so for those of you joining us on the webinar um, look for this this question on your screen based on your current crisis communication plan could your company recover quickly from a damaged reputation so Keep in mind the responses are anonymous and the data is aggregated. So, um, look for that question on the screen and click the answer that applies to you. Uh, Could your company recover quickly from a damaged reputation? And we're gonna pause just a moment to give people an opportunity to uh, answer the poll and we'll report out the results in just a moment. And while you're working on that and looking at that, I'll just note that Um, Our next webinar takes place on Wednesday of this week uh, from 3 to 4.30 p.m. and it's going to uh, cover the topic of uh, impact of COVID-19 on agriculture and we are pleased to welcome Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers and Congressman Dan Newhouse for that free webinar so look for that on the AWB website at awb.org We'll have the results of our live poll in just a moment. Okay, and here we have results on the screen. Uh, so thank you everyone for participating uh, in this poll. And now we're going to uh, move on to our next speaker. I'm pleased to welcome Michelle Hagee, President and CEO of DH, a Public Relations and Branding Firm in Spokane. Uh, Michelle helps Clients across a broad range of industries use strategic communications to meet their business goals. She has experience in public health, healthcare, education, association, corporate, and energy sectors, as well as brand initiatives across industries. Uh, An expert in social change marketing, Michelle has helped clients drive behavior change on topics ranging from substance use prevention and safe medication storage to immunizations and chronic disease. She also works with clients on advocacy programs, marketing initiatives, strategic planning, issue management, and crisis management. And she's worked with AWB on a number of projects over the years and is working with us now. Uh, Michelle is an AWB board member as well. And I will uh, welcome you to the webinar this morning, Michelle, and turn it over to you. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks so much, Jason. Um, it's good to be with everyone today. Well, I um, have loved my, what my uh, fellow panelists have talked about this morning, and I'm gonna um, shift gears a little bit and talk about marketing and advertising coming out of COVID. Um, and, and I wanna start though with um, employee, with our, with our arguably our most important audience is our own, uh, our own teams, our own employee teams. And I wanted to share a piece of research with you, this is out of the Edelman Trust Barometer. It's a study that's done every year that looks at who do we trust as consumers, and um, employers are kind of the star this year. This data was collected in March as the pandemic was um, in, you know fully bre- in, in fully um, fully breaking out across the world. And uh, when we asked when, when consumers were asked about who do they trust to navigate the pandemic. Um, Employer. My employer came up very strongly, in fact, 27 points over government and media in general and right behind health experts. So this is a moment um, where employers are benefiting from trust that they've created with their employees. And it's a great place to be. It's also a big responsibility. There's an expectation that consumers have that employers will act and that they will act in their best interest and as my colleagues have talked about it's a critical time to be starting having an employee first communications program where you're providing frequent updates and um, really talking in a transparent and honest way with your employees first before um, before consumers can move to the next slide i think this just echoes this is from that same piece of research which just echoes um, that uh, people in the study said that their employer was better equipped to respond than, um, than the country that they were in, which I think is very telling. And I think as we enter into this reopening period, that is really about building and maintaining confidence among workers and among our consumers um, we're going to benefit from this, but again, uh, we also have to really rise to the occasion. And I think that the winners, um, the companies who really win coming out of this will be those that are implementing the guidelines and doing a great job of that, right? With, for both their workforce and for customers that are starting to re-engage with them. You can go to the next slide. So what are consumers looking for? This is um, out of a piece of research um, from Morning Consult. And uh, my colleague, Michelle referenced, this is the Morning Consult, if you haven't used their website, is a great source for uh, market research. And we've been watching this and it's evolving as we come through the pandemic. So it's a great place to get kind of real time insight into the minds of consumers around the country and around the world. But this data was gathered um, at the end of March, and it really speaks to consumers looking to brands um, for empathy and for sympathy. They want to be understood. They want to ensure that the brands that they're dealing with um, can relate to them and are um, paying attention to their needs. And what does this mean for for you as as a business out communicating in the marketplace? It means it's an important time to be focused on people in our advertising and our marketing and on their needs, right? People over product at this moment in time. Um, There's an expectation of a safe environment and we wanna be communicating that in our uh, marketing and showing consumers that they can count on us for creating that environment. And um, they want to be sure that we get the reality, right? We've all probably had the experience of watching an advertisement that feels tone deaf to you right now, or even kind of startling if you see imagery that shows people shaking hands or even hugging can feel very out of touch right now. And so brands need to be attuned to this moment and what is on the minds of our consumers I would also say this is evolving. We've all probably had our fill of ads that show empty streets and use somber piano music, right? We're getting to a point where consumers are ready for the next thing. They're ready to start coming out of that. And it's also okay for brands to be starting to entertain a little bit more and and to use humor, although we have to strike a really uh, careful balance with that. Next slide. One of the companies that I think has gotten it right in the last couple of weeks is Facebook. And if you haven't seen their spot, uh, Born in Quarantine, uh, I'd encourage you to go take a look at it. This is a video that um, one of their agencies developed. It's narrated by Anita Simpson, who's a 100-year-old woman who was born in the 1918 flu pandemic. And it's really a poignant acknowledgement of what a tough situation this is for women who are pregnant and who are giving birth. And there's, um, I just read half a million babies born uh, during this time. And um, Facebook's tapping into that. They're tapping into the sentiment that is in there, out there in their audience with this message of hope, and and also kind of a celebration of the strength of mothers. And of course they launched this just in time for Mother's Day. And um, you know, the reason I wanna give them kudos on this, no matter what you think of, of the product is that they've really connected with their mission of bringing the world closer together. They've tapped into where their audience is. And if you go to the next slide, you can see that they're producing, you know, they're delivering on their value proposition of connection by creating resources for parents. Um, they've got a COVID-19 information center. They've made it easy for people to find information on getting supplies and food delivered to their homes. They're um, talking about the video, their video calling product available on messenger, and they're creating a platform right, um, that allows their audience to stay connected when they're not in person. Next slide, please. So how do you take a look at this for your own company? Um, really what we're looking for is this intersect, right? Between what's on the minds of your audience and your own unique value proposition. And we're looking for that sweet spot where those two things meet. This is a critical time for you to be in touch with your customer and to really understand what's on their mind. And then you want to connect authentically, right? What is it in your value proposition, in your product and service offerings, that you can uniquely provide to your clients or customers, based on what they're experiencing? On the next slide. So as we're working with our um, clients during this time, these are the conversations that we're having with them. This is not a time to force that. It's not a time to probably to go back to your library of of advertising assets and pull something out, right? It it does demand a new new take and a new tone in in many cases. So this is a moment to be doing a brand audit of your um, advertising and marketing Uh, assets, really looking at it through this lens and through the lens of your audience. It's a time to be really looking for opportunities to authentically connect with your values as an organization. And I think as Stephen mentioned, talk about what you're doing in your community, talk about actions that you've taken Uh, We know consumers care very much about how, as employers, we're interacting and treating our our, um, employees. So it's an important time to be showing what we're doing across all of those um, categories. And we also want to be visible, right? You want to be visible when others are invisible. This is a time to take leadership. And uh, not only are our consumers expecting that from brands, they're expecting the private sector to help lead out of this situation. And we want to rise to that occasion. It's also an opportunity to um, to take market share in some cases and to show leadership um, as a brand during difficult times. And then obviously, we'll be communicating during reopening what we're offering, right? The environment people can count on and how we're reopening safely and creating that environment that will continue to build customer confidence. We know customers as they reenter our businesses will be voting with dollars and they're likely to be voting in favor of businesses that really build that confidence and make them feel safe. And lastly, I would say any kind of crisis and and, um, recessions as well are times where there are opportunities for innovation, and we're seeing that in companies. We're seeing companies step forward with new product offerings, new takes. They're meeting the moment and looking for ways to innovate. And I think that's one of the most powerful marketing strategies of all. So Jason, with that, I'd be happy to open up for questions.
1: All right. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Uh, some really good content. Uh, we do have some questions coming in. Just a reminder to everybody on the webinar, if you want to submit a question, uh, look for that in your go-to webinar box. Um, so submit your question. We'll try to get through as many as we can. Michelle, I've got a, a two-part question for you, and it uh, relates to uh, the re- reopening. And um, I know you're doing some work with AWB in this regard. so. Uh, two part question, can you offer guidance or direct direct us to a resource on messaging uh, and posting requirements for reopening uh, uh, templates that might be available for use in phase two reopening, for example, as we move to that? And then the second part of that question is, uh, do you anticipate consistency in this messaging for customers so that they will know what the common practices are at each store or organization that they visit?
4: Yes, I, I love this question, and um, I'm happy to report that AWB is working um, right now on resources. So. Uh, Their webpage awb.org is a great first stop, but I will tell you that the Rebound and Recovery Task Force is creating a toolkit for employers and it's in the works right now. In fact, we're hoping within a week to have a new website that's live with these um, templates for you and it will be things like a safe opening plan template so that you can go in, it's a Word document, you can download it and you can put in, um, you know, specific things that you'll be tackling in your own business, but it's pre-populated with um, many of the state's requirements. Um, I've also, as we've been working on this, spent. A lot of time on the governor's website Washington State's coronavirus website. And that's the go to resource for all of the official guidance that has been issued specific to your industry and requirements do differ by industry. So that's a really important thing for small business to be uh, watching and to be uh, to ensure that you're up on the latest. But we'll have not only that plan template, we'll have social media posts, we'll have signage. Um, that you can copy and paste. We'll have floor stickers. We'll have a whole variety of tools that we know businesses need during this time. And our goal is to really make it kind of a one-stop shop for um, easy-to-use resources that you can tailor.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Uh, We are getting close on time. I think we're going to go back out to the group now and do a a lightning round and pose um, one question to everybody who joined us today. And so thank you all again for this really outstanding content this morning okay the, the question is around the issue of balance so as, as we start to emerge from lockdown and uh, begin to reopen parts of the economy how do how do we balance that excitement of reopening and wanting to spread that message and let people know that we're reopened um, while still maintaining an emphasis on safety and and this is something that you know maybe even, gets into uh, um, some of the uh, political differences that we've seen. How do how how brands, how do businesses navigate that balance? And uh, we'll throw that out to, to everybody. Um, uh, Michelle, you just spoke. Do you want to uh, lead off and then we'll go around the horn?
4: Sure. Yeah, I I think that um, the two are not mutually exclusive. So I think that as businesses, we want to be we want to offer a warm welcome back to our customers with the realization that, you know, in the way that we might have previously talked about customer service and a great in-store experience, we're just up leveling how we're talking about safety and health and wellness. It's all part of that experience that we're going to offer. Customers, but but giving. I think Michelle talked about being specific. Giving specifics about how you, as a business, are what practices you've put in place to um, keep your customers safe is job one right now. So we have to be communicating that.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you, um, Taylor. Do you want to do you want to field that question next? How how do you balance that? Uh... Excitement uh, with a safety message?
3: Yeah, I would agree with what Michelle just said and add that, um, you know, what people want to know more than anything right now is that their health and safety is the top priority, whether that's your employees, your customers. So I think as long as you're operating within that frame um, and establishing that, it makes it easier to then talk about reopening because people know and trust that you're going to keep them safe, and and you can um, expand into specific ways um, that you that you are going to keep them safe. And then if you're thinking about your channels um, and and how you might get these messages out, just be really consistent and and tell both stories in all of your channels. If you're putting up social media posts, don't just talk about the safety precautions. Don't just talk about um, the fact that you're reopening. Talk about both. Um, to Michelle's point, they're not mutually exclusive, and Um, As long as you're in that frame of health and safety as a top priority, everything else can kind of flow from there and you should be doing both things at once.
1: Great. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, Michelle Cole, we'll come to you next. Um, What are your thoughts on this question? I actually
2: had two thoughts. Uh, One is to be as specific as you you can be and comfortably be, perhaps more than you might have been pre-COVID. We had a grocery store here in Portland, high end that had an employee who who tested positive. And the email that went out to their customers was very specific around where this person worked and who this person worked with and what precautions they were taking, far more than I would have expected and very comforting and it's okay to come back. And I think the other thing it would be to put a human face on it. Uh, if, if it's a CEO or uh, the guy who's butchering the meat or, uh, you know, the one who's interfacing with the public to say, hi, I'm Michelle. Uh, this is what we really care about our customers and our employees. And here's what we're doing to keep them safe. I think is very effective right now.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Stephen, we'll go to you for the, the last word on this. Thoughts on balancing uh, excitement and letting people know that you're open for business and you're there to serve them while also talking about safety first.
0: Probably, uh, in addition to what's been said, uh, ask for patience because everybody's going to be learning together on this, and uh, there may be some errors in in how you go about it. But if you ask for patience and let them know you're just trying to do your very best to keep everyone safe, they will give you wide latitude and wide berth in that. And uh, I would not engage in the debate about whether uh, stay at home is correct or not. The the opinions are. Uh, diverse across the state. I was in Eastern Washington over the weekend, and how they're practicing that in in, uh, Eastern Washington is different than what it's like in Olympia, Washington. And uh, so there's really no benefit to getting in the middle of that that debate. Just keep it focused on the well-being of your organization and of your customers, and you'll be in good shape. All right. Well,
1: thank you, Stephen, and thank you again to everybody. We are uh past the top of the hour uh, so we'll conclude today's webinar. Um, I want to thank everyone who joined us on the webinar uh, and thank you again to our presenting sponsor Primera Blue Cross. Uh, as a reminder you can join us this Wednesday, May 20th from 3 to 4:30 for a webinar focused on the impact of COVID-19 on agriculture. Uh, this event is open to everyone and will be most relevant to those in agriculture Uh, Again, uh, we're pleased to welcome Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers, Congressman Dan Newhouse for this webinar to talk about agricultural industry, food supply chain issues, and the federal resources and support available for producers uh, amidst this ongoing coronavirus pandemic. They'll be joined by John Weiss, State Executive Director for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And um, also, uh, a program note uh, the next webinar in this series the employment resources webinar series will cover uh, we'll look at the restaurant and hospitality industry uh, that's going to take place on a new day and new time that webinar will be Wednesday May 27th from 9 to 10 a.m. look for that information on the AWB website as well and finally one one more reminder if you missed part of today's webinar or you want to share this programming with someone else we will be streaming a recording on the AWB Facebook page tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. So just be sure to like Association of Washington Business on Facebook to get access to that content. Uh, We will also have a recorded link of today's webinar uh, available to view tomorrow on our blog. And and one final reminder for additional resources uh, relating to all things coronavirus, uh, be sure to look for the employer resources page at awb.org. Thank you again to everybody who joined us and to all of our guests this morning for this great content. Uh, This concludes today's
3: webinar.
4: Thanks for listening. Our
0: Employer Resources webinar series is moving. Next week, we'll be live on Wednesday, May 27th from 9 to 10 a.m. To register for this or any of our upcoming webinars, go
3: to awb.org and click on events.